Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. In this episode, we speak to Fiona Oakes. She is superhuman. Um, She's an endurance athlete who keeps getting world records, but who doesn't really like running and doesn't think she's very good at it. Um, Lifelong vegan. She gets up at three o'clock in the morning every day and she spends most of her day looking after her 500 or so animals on her animal sanctuary single-handedly. At about eight o'clock, she might eat dinner. She'll have one meal. Um, She sees that just as fuel. And in that day, she will squeeze in typically a 20, 30 mile run, sometimes more than once. Um, so what, what, if you want to find out what inspires her, you should definitely go watch the documentary that's doing the rounds at the moment on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's called Running for Good. That will tell you her story. It will show her running marathon to Sables for the third time um, and how grueling that is and, and how she takes that on. And it will also give you a bit of a, a, an idea of her character and, and, and what she's like. But if you want to find out what really drives her, then this is the conversation for you. Ray, what did you take from it? I took lots of things from it. I think the most important thing is that she somehow finds a way to seek out pain yeah um and that is not something i've heard from anybody really before and she really understands how it's going to help her achieve her purpose which is to help animals to reduce well, suffering the, well it's, it's it's more than that isn't it it's it's so animals we, we talked about this on the way back about how animals she loves animals and she feels like animals are completely helpless which they are but actually what she, her, her purpose is, is she hates seeing cruelty to life. And because animals are typically so helpless, she can help them. But actually I think what we, what we unlock in the conversation is it's much more about any type of life. It's about cruelty, anyone, anything, any life uh, enduring cruelty. But the really interesting bit is where she talks about her pain. So she's prepared to go through suffering because she has found a way of using it as the fuel to help her achieve what she wants to do. That's right, exactly. So yeah, turn your pain into, into a gain. Into a gain and pleasure. Yeah. And yeah, pain to pleasure and use using pain as a driving force to push harder. Yeah. And to see that as you're developing and getting out your comfort zone and you know it. And and since that conversation with Fiona, I've done a few experiments myself with got- that approach and it's it, well, all I can say at the moment is interesting. Have you got any world records yet? No, not yet. <laughs> it's coming. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Fiona, thank you so much for for taking the time. Um, can I, shall I start by just um, explaining how we're sitting here and how we found you yeah so um i think we might have mentioned this to you when we when mm-hmm. we had the call that so i was on a plane the other week and um and i downloaded some documentaries to watch and i flicked through them and i sort of chose the documentary that happens to be about you uh, running for good um on the basis that it was about an hour and a quarter i think and I, the flight was about that that time but also because it was just captured my imagination i think the the, the title the synopsis was um, following the story of uh, a woman running marathon de sable, hmm. um, and there was there wasn't really much more to it than that at that stage. So I started watching it, and about five minutes in, um, I felt as though I 
got an idea of what you're about, which is I'm going to say uh, an extreme brutalist. <laughs> um, and you just seem like a like an incredibly determined human being. Um, so, uh, long story short, we, we we got in touch and um, and you've agreed to spend some time with us talking about that. So, um, uh, let's start with. Um, I think w- w- the the story most of the story is quite well told in the documentary and there's various other things about you um out there so um but how how would you describe yourself to other people if someone didn't know you and you and they said what, what what how do you spend your time how how would you answer that question i'm just very determined dedicated um normal person that's how i see myself but you in terms of what you do with your with your days mm. you run an animal sanctuary yeah and how many animals do you look after? About 500. So a, a massive number of animals. Mm. And you are, you've got world records. Yeah. Tell us about those. I've got four world records for endurance sport. Um, I'm the fastest woman to run a marathon at the North Pole, Antarctica, and on every continent. And you, and then you've got this documentary which is following your story of doing marathon the sabbath would you say is that like one of the most extreme um endurance races on the planet would you say it's probably yeah it's, it's getting up there to be probably i know cnn described it as the toughest foot race on the planet whether it is or not i don't know but it is extremely tough and they pride themselves in that title they make it very very yeah, hard yeah. for you to complete that race and bro- broadly it's like it's a, it's about eight back-to-back marathons mm. but, but a double in there somewhere through the desert yeah, so extreme I, I mean condition. the extreme. The marathons are the least of your problem. The running is—it's you're not even running for most of the time. It's the heat. It can get up to fifty-four degrees. You're carrying an eleven-kilo backpack. You're living in very, very raw accommodation in terms of just a tent with no sides. Um, there's no facilities. There's no showers. No toilets. You're living on very, very limited rations of food. Uh, metered out rationed water uh, the terrain is appalling uh, some of the sand dunes are like 800 feet if you've ever tried to run in that kind of sand it's just brutal yeah um you'd be out there in sandstorms it's it's really really hard and it's the pack the pack weight it's probably yeah, about 11 you're, kilos you're carrying everything you need mm, uh, for the whole you, week you've got to survive on whatever yeah whatever's in that pack and yeah. if you haven't got it in the pack and you can't borrow it or get it from one of the other competitors you haven't got it for yeah. the week so it's only water that's provided limited water and you get penalized if you ask for any more i've seen people like uh well one guy when i did the race in 2012 he had a heart attack next to us we had to set a flare off and he went to Casablanca hospital and was wow. put in an induced coma uh for the race entry, you pay for your body to re- be repatriated wow. in case you die out there. It is hard. Yeah. It's, it's really, really hard. <laughs> we, we, we believe you. I've seen people, um, less so now with more information sharing on the internet, but I've seen people um, with no skin on the undersoles of their feet and they've had to come home and have skin grafts. Wow. Yeah, in the first year I did it in two twelve. So you, so because this isn't this doesn't come across in the documentary. We've talked about this. You mm. run it three times now. I've run it three times, and you're about to do the. And fourth. I'm about to go back and do it the you're fourth. Crazy. Actually, the first time I did it in two twelve, um, the whole point of MDS, as we call it, every runner, it's a bit of the holy grail. You want to complete MDS. Have you done MDS? Well, That's kind you're of the a nobody benchmark. Unless you've done it. I would say you're a nobody, but you're a real tough tough badass yeah, if you've yeah, done yeah, it yeah. so everybody wants to do mds so 
I, I went out I, there. By, by the way, Fiona, I don't. No. <laughs> Not, when you say everybody wants to do it, yeah. I don't. Well, might, uh, after uh, this Ronald, conversation, you might, you might want to. No, 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 yeah, no. We you, were talking, no. Yeah. Well, when I, when I went out there in 212, the first problem I had was um, they tell you to buy shoes a size too big because your feet are definitely going to swell in well, the heat. Yeah. yeah? Uh, but about three days before I went out there, uh, one of the horses, an elderly horse at the sanctuary, she's 42 year old, she got cast, went down, couldn't get up. I'm, I'm here alone. So I had to pull her to, to her feet myself. And in doing so, she got to her feet, but unfortunately in doing so, she was a bit unsteady. Yeah. And she, she stepped back and trod on my foot. So she broke two of my toes, <laughs> my little toe on the toe next to it. So now I'm faced with going to Marison de Stable, toughest foot race on the planet, with two broken toes. Do you go or do you do the sensible thing and kind of not go? And obviously I didn't... <laughs> didn't do the sensible thing because I thought I'm never going to know if I don't go. A little bit like the principal with Paula Radcliffe in the Olympics. She didn't run that 10k after failing in the marathon. She wouldn't have known. She would never have been able to say a miracle happened and I just went to the 10k and I produced something special. But if you're there, you know you couldn't, then you know that. So um, I went out there. I didn't tell anybody, but obviously my doctor knew a few close friends and family because I was going to be the first vegan woman to ever complete this race and I don't emphasize the vegan woman so much but obviously it's very difficult at that time there weren't the substitute products like a, a lighter weight sleeping bag I mean I, I'm, I'm an ethical vegan so downfill oh, stuff I hadn't even pr- considered that so yeah. this goes way beyond just what you oh, eat yeah. this yeah. is this is everything yeah. in your life I mean there weren't the hydrated products that you could buy I had wow. to take a big heavy pack in fact they looked at my pack and think this is like nearly as big as you you know because it's all metered against your body weight against pack size and what you can carry a power to weight ratio so i um had now got this problem that my feet well my right foot had swelled so much i could hardly get it in my shoe before i went out there i couldn't get new shoes because um part of the process is you have to have them stitched yeah. with velcro to put sand gaiters on because the I last the thing you want getting getting getting, shoes, yeah, yeah you don't want blisters you really don't want blisters and um I went out there and I'm getting all the messages of support, you know, go Fiona, doing it for the animals. So that's what fired me on to keep going. And I remember in the long stage, um, you could see the bone sticking out my little toe. Oh, you're kidding. No. Um, and I don't show the doctors because I, I knew they well, they would have out. said, no, you're, yeah, you're, you're yeah, done. Yeah, you can't do that. Because I know the following day you get a road book and it said we were going to go through stagnant ponds. And uh, I thought, I'm going to get infected if I'm not very, very careful. So you're very aware of like how you hover on um, not getting to a point where what you're dealing with is literally debilitating to a degree that you you are you can't you can't surpass it. Yeah. You're managing it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And um, anyway, I um, I did. I did it anyway. And I got the medal. That's the main thing you want. The medal. I did. I did a marathon to Sable. And um, but. In the meantime, one of my tent mates has said to me, um, God, you never guess what, Fiona. I met a guy here and um, he's packed up on the first day. He's going home. And I said, he did it last year. And I said, oh, that's, that's bizarre. Why would you do that? And then I went back in 2014 and I, I hit the first stage and I thought, I can see why he packed up on the first <laughs> Because the rose-tinted spectacles have come off. Yeah. And you remember exactly what you're dealing with out there. And it is brutal. And you've got the medal. I've got the medal from 212. No, I'm, sorry, did he, had he already run it? Yeah, he'd run it in so he'd he's run got it the, the medal, previous, so there's less motivation did, yeah, less motivation round. to be out there. What yeah, yeah. is the motivation that, that, you know, in 2014 or, to, you know, the next time so you what, do what, it? So what, what, what was his motivation for doing it a second time? I think rose tint of spectacles. Uh, most people yeah, will tell you when yeah, you've yeah. done a race, best, even if the more brutal it is or, yeah. at the time you're doing it, the more you appreciate yeah. it when you come away from it. 
and you know i've got temp mates that i was there with um in temp 105 that's uh, when i did it in 2017 and we're all on whatsapp conversations and um they're saying we genuinely genuinely want to come with you we regret not entering and being there with you and one guy tim is like i really envy you and tim put the roast yeah, yeah, spectacles yeah, yeah. down and remember what he's saying he's like, yeah you know but he said he wants to do all the the, the kind of the, the banal talk in the tent and just the freedom of it you know the freedom to just be in pain and laugh about it and cry and just feel despair and I, th- I don't know if it's um, a situation for a lot of people where they live such comfortable lives they need to experience yeah. some need to experience discomfort right to come back and appreciate but, but you don't no i don't because you, you're you're doing life, it for a different reason you, yeah that's right your, your life is not comfortable no it's not comfortable but actually i'm no hero I mean, you, you know, I know that my life is very comfortable compared to a lot of people. You look at the news, you look at what's happening in Yemen. And for me, I am a vegan. I've always loved animals. I don't want to exploit. I can't bear the thought of any creature on this planet, human or animal, being harmed. Um, I genuinely feel that whatever I'm doing, it's not a patch on what a lot of other people are suffering at this very present moment. Because you said earlier to us that you, you feel as though you live your life um, with a with a a metaphorical gun to your head mm. because so many people do and you're carrying that with you and that's part of what's driving you mm. um and 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 how, where do, do you know where that comes from i do actually in a i i my grandpa was very very similar to me i can recognize a lot of me in my grandfather yeah um he was very disciplined very do you, dedicated do you have a really close relationship with him I did, yeah. yeah. Nana and granddad were yeah. very, very close, yeah. And he was very similar to me. Um, and it's kind of gone through my mom and now been passed into me. Okay. But there's no negotiation in my life. What, tell, tell us about your grandpa. What are the characteristics? And, and, and at what, what age did you start to understand those characteristics? I don't know. I suppose I've always taken them for granted. As I look back, more and more as I look back, I see why my granddad was like he was. He was quite a frustrated man. He was a very working class man. I mean, he worked at what we call the tube works in Chesterfield. Mm. He would get up in the morning. He would work from six until two. He would come home on his bike, be home at ten past two. His uh, dinner apparently would be on the cooker, um, you know, pan of boiling water. My nan had gone off to work that afternoon. She was a cleaner. And um, he would have his dinner. He would have a 10-minute rest. He would then get on his bike and he would go window cleaning for two hours to drag my mum and grandma out of the situation they were in into a private bungalow, which my my grandma always wanted. And um, he was very, very focused, very determined. There was never any negotiation with him. It was, this is what's going to happen. Never give in to temptation. Mm -hmm. It's just setting stone and I suppose more and more as you look back I can identify um at the time he was very kind of frustrated and he used to blow up be very very angry and then calm down very very quickly and you just think oh he's cantankerous you know pop but um you realize that it was probably frustration at the time if I always say my granddad never ran the Marathon de Sable but he ran very many Marathon de Sables would he would he have completed it yeah, I think he would. Yeah, so so he would. so he ha- whatever it was yeah. that was ticking along in his yeah. head gave mm. him that level yeah. of yeah. determinism that that yeah. that. But he he had to channel it back in those days into work. Yeah, or, you know because but he ran mer- many marathon disciples in his life. You've missed him quickly because his life was very very hard, but he never gave in. Yeah, and then how did did you see the same characteristics being passed down to your 
your mum and your parents? Yeah, my mum was very similar to me, but that's mm-hmm. nothing like me. Mum um, was very similar to me, but obviously she is a kind of... She's a woman, obviously. And um, she's not got the love of animals, particularly. Uh-huh. She's quite... She's not got the love of sport. No, I don't know where I get... I, I do love sport. I do love animals. I don't know where I get that from. That's just in you. You're just yeah. born with it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but but that that aspect of being so determined. So if you put your mind to something, it gets done. Yeah. It's your life's a model. Your, that... It's a model. You know, achievement is a model. It's just a model you work to. And that's 100% maximum discipline, dedication, determination to achieve. And whatever you are applying that model to, whether it be window cleaning mm. or working at the tube works or running a marathon de sable, it's all that it's all about that discipline you mm. just modify the model to the um the job in hand kind of thing so for me whether it's looking after the animals out there or running it's just i'm just working to the same model i want 100 percent, or i'm going to walk away and do something else mm. my mum's lived her life 100 percent. she's had a very very hard life um but um she's kind of worked the same model but it hasn't manifested itself in the same way she hasn't got the physical strength that i've got it's in a different sphere but she, it's still the same. She was working like uh, when my sister and I were born, she was piano teaching. She was like looking after two young children. She's a very good pianist. She was like 80 pupils. She was doing doing everything. Mm. Um, my dad was on strike a lot. He was in the mining industry. Uh-huh. So she was supporting the family. Then she went nurse training and she was having to fit all that in around looking after her. You know, it's not been easy. Yeah. So, so it, it's it's been for all of you about well certainly your grandfather and and certainly you Mm. about achieving a goal being the best you can the goal is being the best you can and achieving as much as you can and doing it with dignity doing it with discipline doing it honestly okay but but for both of you you have a goal for you it's about raising awareness of what you're doing here Mm. um and, and and supporting the work that you do to rescue animals not really no it's all it's about the holistic thing it's not i don't see the animals here as my animals they i don't own animals i mean these are the ones in my care it doesn't matter whether an animal is here or it's in russia we help animals in russia or wherever we're asked wherever i think i can step in geographically demographically i will help hmm. wherever i can it's about a holistic principle. I don't want this world, I don't want suffering. I don't want unnecessary suffering in this world to any creature, animal or non, uh, um, not a human. I don't want that. I want to do is use my life to help others have a better life. That's what it's about. And whether that's an animal or a human. For me, especially, it's animals. I've always been drawn to animals. But that doesn't mean I'm not drawn to helping people too. Because very often, by helping animals, you are helping people. Mm. Yeah, but but... I mean, your grandfather. Let's go back to grandfather for a second. Mm-hmm. He did the window cleaning mm-hmm. because he wanted to help his um, family family mm. to have a better standard of living. Of, of living, and that was mm. what was driving him. Mm. And he got. It sounds as though he got frustrated with that because he maybe wasn't enjoying the the process of it but he knew why he was doing it mm. yeah i mean I, I don't know i mean i, I wasn't there i mean I, I can honestly say that if you've probably got up and gone on a bike to work at the tube works for a full shift and then you come home and then you've got to go out for two hours of window cleaning i think what he would enjoy is the fact that he had the ability to do that yeah and 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 so when it when it comes to you and running the marathons mm. training for the marathons which mm. is obviously the biggest part of all of this 
I suppose the question is, do you enjoy it? No. How could you possibly enjoy that? I mean, I'm talking about, you know, vomiting after training sessions. I'm talking about the pressure upon you. Put, bear in mind, I've got no coach. I never run with anyone. I can't run on a track because of my knee. I have to do speed work on a treadmill. I've nobody to answer to but myself. If I don't go out and train, there's nobody going to say, well, have you done it? Have you not done it? I'm answering to myself all the time. And I go out there. There's no reason, no point to be out there at 95%. And you do it because? I want to promote veganism. I want to make people see that I can do it. I want to do it in a positive way. I want to do it in a peaceful way, but I want to be proactive. For me, in my world, I come from a world where by social media, you can't just put your thoughts out there. You had to use a mainstream media to get a platform. Um, and it's just a simple equation. The better you can be, the better the results will be for what you want. And the results I want are people to see the vegan runner vest out there at the front of a race. I want the vegan runner best to be on the elite starts. I want to be winning marathon. I don't want to be just completing. I want to be, you know, I want to be up there thinking, well, actually, look at those runners over there. Look at, that's Haile Gabrasassi. He's in the elite area zone. He's on the elite bus going to the starts. I want to be invited to races. I want this vegan runner best to be placed in its best potential situation to be seen and to be acknowledged. And let's be right, most people think the best runner in the race is the winner. Mm. So you don't enjoy the process, but the outcome in your experience thus far has been positive because you've worked out how to get publicity. How to help more animals. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, 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 well, they say the outcome. I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know who is. You know, I mean, I do a little bit more now. It's easy to test the water from the, um, the documentary because people write to you. But I don't know who I'm influencing out there by winning a race. I don't know who's seen me run up the mile in like 20th place in the London Marathon and make a connection. But, but you must think that it's working because you keep doing what you're doing and it's not it's enjoyable. It's the only way I've got doing it. Yeah. It gives it's hope. There is hope. Yeah. While I'm doing something, there is hope. You believe that it's having an impact. You don't know exactly what impact it's having, but... I believe it might be having an impact. Yeah. And I think sitting on a couch watching television yeah. definitely isn't having an impact. Yeah. 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 Uh, this might At least you're be having doing an something. Imp- yeah, I didn't set off with... The, I mean, I didn't, I didn't sit there some grand formulating plan when I was six years old thinking, right, now I'm some vegan guru who's going to map my life out. It's all ga- happened very organically and I've gone with opportunities when and where they presented yeah. themselves. And I don't know where that would come from. So at six years old, you think, right, I just don't want to eat meat and dairy products and anything that comes from animal because it's wrong. That was at six six years old that you made that decision i went vegetarian when i was three did you yeah so your parents this wasn't something that was um in your family particularly it was something that you so again probably at that at that age you were you you were quite headstrong so you very headstrong you realized i i love animals yeah and as soon because my i've got two boys and and i've Mm. seen them go through this change where Mm. suddenly they're working out or my older ones Mm. working out that oh chicken is a chicken Mm. And I can see him going through that. You know, for for us in society, mm. it's easy to move way disconnect beyond that from point it, and disconnect yeah. from yeah. it. So at the point when you went through that transition, you said, "That's not for me." I don't, yeah, I, I mean, care about these animals. Look at the way we use children in uh, use animals in society to influence children. Look at Peppa Pig. Look at teddy bears. Look at Andy Pandy. Look mm. at things like you know, like that kind of thing on television. Kids, mm. we we use kids love animals. Um, I have just made the connection that the cartoon animals 
could be real animals. Mm. And most kids, if you said today's episode on Peppa Pig, <laughs> they're going to the abattoir yeah. and Daddy Pig's going to be brutally slaughtered and yeah. then Mummy Pig's, go- they'd be horrified. Yeah. I just haven't grown up from that. I, I've always known that to be wrong. Cause that, yeah. That's what, that has always been wrong for me. So as soon as you realise that, yeah. a switch turned on in your head and you said, that not for me, no yeah. thank you. Yeah. And then, and it's that same um, innate quality in you of saying, of being very deliberate and then that's it. It's done. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm not. I'm not compromising on that. Yeah. At what point? Because that's that's quite profound. I, I'd imagine most, um, s- let's say, self-selected vegans hmm. um, probably make that decision a bit later in life. Yeah. I mean, what I'm finding with a lot of vegans, they've, they've either got to have spoken to another vegan, yeah. or they've got to worked in a scenario you know, like loads. I worked in an abattoir and they suddenly saw woke something up, horrific yeah. or something like yeah. that. You you worked worked out very young, quite in a, quite a simplistic. But way. it's very easy. I mean, not many kids want to go and hit their mum or like you know be evil or cruel or and so why would you want to hurt what is your extended family any other person or any other but animal then, but then i'd imagine that the reason that a lot of people don't make the decision you made that early is because the world around them is doing something else so you said no i don't i don't care i don't care that society uh, does that i'm doing this because mm. because i've decided and i've yeah. decided but so it must be the case then that very very early on did you did you recognize that there was something different in you in being able to be that deliberate and that determined about something no because i still don't recognize it now but does it, it must frustrate because it frustrates me when i see people around me that aren't as determined as me so i'm wondering you're an extreme you know you, you your your level of determination is like probably up there with I mean, beyond the one percent in the world, it, it it seems to be extraordinary. So it must be very, very frustrating for you when you see your n- not even your man on the street, but somebody who just doesn't have levels of determination. That must be really polarizing to you. So if you yeah, think I just about, think it's their loss. It's their loss. Is that I, I feel like you can't not frustrated. I can kind of feel if kind of not sorry for them, but I'm nothing special. There's nothing going on here that's but, special. But because you know that of yourself. At the point when you realise that and then you see the difference in other people, uh, is there any part of you where you're wanting to... You're wondering why they're so different? Yeah, I do wonder why they're different. And what what, what conclusions have you come to? I honestly don't know. I can't see how somebody can see suffering in the world. I can't see how somebody can turn on the television and see what's happening in Yemen or, or in Syria or, or in an abattoir yeah. and not just immediately want to do something. I, I can't actually understand. I can't understand why it is that, for instance, in the London Marathon or wh- whatever race, you might get people interviewed at the start and they'll say, why are you running the London Marathon? Well, my, my dad had heart disease or something, so I'm running for a British Heart Foundation. So if he hadn't have had heart disease, he wouldn't be here. Hmm. That's weird to me. That's weird. That you only saw it Yeah, because it was, it was immediately so close in- to you. influencing you. Why wait? Why wait to do something until it's influencing you? Why not just... I, I don't understand. I, I am my own person. Uh, yeah, okay. I used to live a very solitary life. Mm. Very solitary. I still do. When we got the sanctuary back in 1996, the whole... It wasn't an idea that we're going to set up an animal sanctuary. We never thought that. We literally wanted somewhere for our animals to be safe. Mm-hmm. One of the horses had a bad accident... 
due to the negligence of somebody we were paying an awful lot of money to look after them while we both went to work to pay for it. That model wasn't working. We need to change it. We raised the money to buy a small plot of land and the sanctuary. And the idea was you stay at home, look after the animals, and Marty, my partner, would go to work and pay for it. That was just, we want our animals to be safe. Mm. But for me, having a few acres of land and looking after a few animals, I'm a big person in terms of what I need to do to fulfill. Ambition. Ambition, mm. yeah. yeah. And um, that was never going to be enough. And I realised then people started asking. Now I'd got land, I could not. I could look at the animals that I was never able to look at beforehand: cattle, pigs, sheep. I can't put them at a livery yard. And I realised very quickly, this isn't enough. I need to do more. Hmm. I can take four animals, four hundred, four thousand. It's never going to be enough. It's the symptoms. It's never going to be hitting the cause. That's when I took to the running. I'm not even a runner. <laughs> I don't even consider myself to be a runner. I'm somebody who runs and applies a model to running. And whether I'm applying it to running or whatever I'm applying it to, it's just to be the best or don't waste your time, go away and do something else. And um, so, yeah, um, I, I don't see anything particularly special about me. I know physically there's nothing special about me. In fact, I'm probably um, inferior. We, we were just talking about this beforehand. I think it's, it's really apt that... You know, there's certain people that are born with um, physical advantage. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be the case that you're born with mental advantage, or mm. you, maybe maybe you were born with some innate qualities, but you've developed them over the years, and you're not, and now they're second nature to you. In the mm. same way that somebody that's got physical advantages, mm. it's second nature to them. Yeah. Um, but what I'm intrigued by is um, I, I, I've. I do a bit of running. Mm. Uh, I say I, I just feel ridiculous saying that in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do some running, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, so, he, run, he runs for a bus yeah, every so often. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so I know that uh, I, when I run, I spend a lot of time in, with my thoughts, mm. and um, and I and I think that there's a well, there's a lot written about getting yourself into a meditative, meditative state through mm. through running. And what happens to the changing composition of where the blood is and what happens to your brain signals. Um, but I guess all of this is me saying you must spend a lot of time um, with self-talk and, mm, and, 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 with, and, you know, in your head. And, you're, and, and that's one of the biggest challenges for, for anyone at, at any level, I think, is, mm. is, to, is to work on the self-talk and to turn it into something positive rather than negative. Not, yeah. For it not to be a question of whether you stop or whether you're even feeling any pain, yeah. but you've got a job to get done. Yeah. Tell us a bit about how you, how you feel about that. What does, to, to, so you relate, you relate to this. But, it, but I, I, I know from your achievements and the way you talk that, that there is no... There is, that that's not it's, it's just no issue has it has it ever been an issue no what's tell us about as you're running what what what, what, what what's happening in your in your head what are you thinking about I can, honestly i can be thinking about anything something i can see on the internet might, might fixate me i might i might suddenly think of something that i want to write down i might be thinking about what i'm going to do and how i'm going to plan out you know doing the jobs when i get home i'm not going out there and sort of self-hyping or anything like this was probably my time to fill with um 
clear thought process so I can organise the rest of the day more um, economically when I come home. So you're thinking about other things beyond the running? Stopping is never going to be something I'm thinking what about. about. But what about... Um, where In fact, if I'm suffering when I'm out running, I make damn sure I stay out even longer. What, and why? To make it hurt more because you're going to hurt more in a race. So that's the punishment. You know, you go out, you, people say, was that a good run? You not all runs can be good runs, but they can be turned around into positive good runs in some shape or form. You might go out and you might fly. You might, you might feel good. You might think, I'm going to turn it on now and I'm going to run. And that's, you come back, adrenaline bounce. But if you go out and you feel really, really bad and you think, I don't want to go and I'm trudging along in appalling headwind and I'm getting rained on, it's almost the trigger to stay out longer. And so do, you, do you play a game with yourself? Um, n- there's never really any games in there. It's no, but, you, but there must be something because you just said that um, when, when I notice that it's hurting, then I'm on. Yeah, then but that, I, I'm imagining you get to that point and that's when you know you're starting to get the benefit. Yeah. Because until that point, yeah. you're not getting the benefit. And you... It depends what sort of benefit you want from each one. If you want to run quick, you want to run speed... You want to hit the marks. You want to be up there. You want to feel good. You want to fly. Yeah. But the benefits can be derived in different ways. Every session, like, you know, when if you're running from a marathon training program, like nine sessions a week, you can't feel great in every session, but you can't literally feel like you can simulate how you're going to feel in a marathon in every session. But you can't run a marathon every session. No. So you might do speed work in the morning and you'll be running. You're not going to run a marathon at, like, 60 second pace for 400 meters mm. but in the evening you'll do a recovery run and you'll feel very tired you'll be going out on heavy legs and that's how you feel in a marathon you know so every session can be made hard but it can't be made 26.2 mile hard but it can give you that recreate that feeling of pain if you want to go out and you want to run well in a marathon you are going to experience pain and in your head you've got to have come across every feeling of pain and know that you can overcome it like that so you're really clear at every point the benefit of pushing through yeah, I know that to get the best result on the day, marathon running, what I do is about like depositing money in a bank. And on race day, you go and withdraw it. Mm. And so if you only put 50p in, yeah. you're not going to have as much as if you put a pound in each day, if you know what I mean. I, I, I'm very clear that the training session you do on the 12th of February when it's raining, is nobody's going to check you back if you don't do it. But it might be that tiny little minuscule second or two on race day that it does make. You've got to just focus and know and believe that it will make the difference on race so you're, day. So this is the thing. You're really absolutely clear about every action you take, how it's going to help you achieve what you've set out to achieve. Yeah. And there's no nothing like oh, this hurts, I'm going to stop, ever crosses your mind because you... If this hurts, that's more reason to not stop. Yeah. and Because you're depositing more. Yeah. 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 And, and you're, you're, you're... You only get out what you put in. There's no free meals <coughs> in marathons. There's no... You know, people want to get fixated with, you know, what the <coughs> Garmin's telling them, what runners' world's telling you know, run your best marathon in three easy training sessions and don't break a square. It's not going to happen. In real terms, it's not going to happen. And, and do you understand where the difference between the pain that's a deposit in the bank and the pain that's going to prevent you from withdrawing from the bank? Yeah, that's what I was wondering about earlier when you mentioned about 
the bro- the uh, broken foot and whether or not you'd, you'd get signed off the race? Um, yeah, I mean, that's slightly different because, I mean, I wouldn't run with in those scenarios just to train. Yeah. But that's race day. That's game on. When that's over, you can stop and you can regroup. That's the goal is two days away. There's no point in going out with broken toes if you're running a training that's session. that's a very pragmatic view. Yeah. Um, and that pragmatic view could easily be undone by the level of determinism in you. Yeah, it could be. But, I mean, obviously, I've learned my marathon running through experience. Yeah, and so you get to know every digit of every bit of your body and what you can and can't yeah. cope with. That's the point of training. You know, you go out to train... I think, and I did a podcast yesterday with a girl, and I think she really wanted me to say something, you know, flamboyant about training for marathons, some secrets, some, you know, some bars, some pair of trainers. None of that. No. You learn from experience. You, you can read all you like in a magazine, but it's how it pertains to you. I mean, I've gone to the starts of some of the big races, you know, like London Marathon. You know, I've, I've stood next to Paula Radcliffe and watched. And check your back, Fiona. You're not Paula Radcliffe. I don't, you know, stub my toe and go to the world's leading stubby toe merchant in Germany <laughs> because I stubbed my toe. It's a different is game there, she's is playing. Is there a leading stubby tome? Probably because there was a bunion one that she went to. But you know what <laughs> right, I mean? Okay. I, don't, I don't go to doctors. I've never even had a massage. I mean, like, come on. This is very basic. This is very raw. You haven't got time for it, have you? I haven't got time or money. I've got no, the money for let, it. Let me just take... I'm, I'm just going to mention a couple of things, more for context, mm. right? So um, I, I, I trained... I ran a marathon mm. and I, I overdid it, as, you, as we mm. all do. And... Um, uh, was feeling really good ran an extra few miles and then pulled i think i pulled my it bands and i i literally could not walk i i mean it was days and i felt like i was 80 years old i, I couldn't i couldn't move and and i i think i had to go through a process of recovery in order to and then and then it was great that that happened in my training because i understood mm. more of myself and that was what you said of understanding your body um but i'd gone too far Right. Mm. And then and then there was another instance where um, I, I ran a marathon in, and I was trying to get a particular time and it was really hot. And um, I, I just I just I just collapsed. I like, literally I don't even remember what happened, but I was just on the floor. Um, now, I, 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 I whether I not trained well enough or what, what I think happened is that I, um, I didn't I didn't measure myself well I didn't I wasn't tuned up to my to my body well enough like I should have mm. maybe slowed down I should have been more considered more pragmatic have you had those same problems? yeah because I have been training all the time and then you learn how to juggle them you learn how to listen to your body you learn how to react to what your body is initially just whispering to you so listen to those whispers don't let them get into great big cries for help so you so you've you've had all of those same kind of experiences in in training What's been the most profound? What's been the moment where... Can you, can you think of moments where it's been like, oh, I've, I've really fucked this? No. So, so and, and is, that, is that because you think that you're... I'm, no, I've just got the discipline. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know, I know exactly what pace I'm running. I know exa- every detail. I, run. I don't train for marathons in the way that most people train for them. I don't have the um, advantages that most people have. Bearing in mind, I'm always listening to this knee. Yeah. That hurts all the time I run. Do you I want know. to just explain a bit about your knee? Cause... Yeah, I've had lots of operations on my knee sur- surgeries, multiple surgeries when I was um, in my teenage years. I was told I would never walk again, certainly never run. Um, I've got no kneecap, which makes running very, very difficult for me. I dislocate my knee very, very easily. Wow. And, um, I can't run downhill very I really just can't literally physically run downhill it is a challenge to run but it's one I've never wanted to exploit because actually if I'm on a start line of a race I'm not on a start line of a race against people with um, no kneecap injuries I'm on the start line of a race fair and square to run 
the best race I can deliver. And I'm not looking for excuses. I'm looking for times. I'm looking for results. I'm not looking to, oh, it would have been or it could have been. This is what I can deliver fair and square. Um, you're, you're looking to be the best you can be. Yeah. Which is what you said earlier. Yeah, I mean, I've never, I mean, you know, uh, somebody said to me, oh, well, how do you feel when you race a marathon? Well, I've never raced one. I mean, you know, I don't know many people, you know, who could... Hendrik Romala used to be quite famous for, you know, fartlek kind of work in a marathon. and kind of, But most marathon runners who are out there are racing the distance. Yeah, yeah. And racing themselves. It's like the clothing company that I did, uh, yeah, North Pole Marathon and all my Antarctic races in. It's U, V, U. U, letter V, letter U. U versus yeah. U, yeah. U versus U out there. I'm not suddenly thinking, hey, I'm cruising here. Mm, that girl's there. You know, I'm not really thinking about that. I'm looking at Judge Marathon. Okay, you get a few of these flamboyant Kenyan races at the end of Chicago Marathon. There might be a sprint up the mile. But generally speaking, the work's done at 24 miles yeah, yeah. and you generally know who's going to win that race because they've measured their effort from mile one to mile 26.2. Not mile 25 or mm. mile 25.5, mile 26.2. And when you cross that finish line, you want to be at 100%. Just That's it. That's everything I've got to offer. And you. So if it's you versus you... Mm. Um, what would your what would you prefer would you prefer to come first in a marathon and not get your personal best or would you prefer to get come 15th and get your personal best depends what uh kind of a race it is i mean honestly and that that is not me being kind of just uh, uh, <coughs> diverting from questioning um my idea again the marathon running is to promote veganism i wear a vegan yeah. runner vest i started a vegan runner club the idea is to be at the front of a race to, to get your best time you're generally not going to win a marathon. And the reason you're not going to win a marathon with your best time is I'm not Mary Katani. I'm not Tiranesh de Barber. Mm. To get your best time, you've got to be on the best course. Mm. The best courses are the fat flask courses that like Berlin yeah. mm. and London. They're, you're never going to get your best time on there. Yeah. Mm. So I've tried it always round. I've run fast marathons. I've got a personal best of two hours 38. Um, I've come top 20 in Berlin and I've come top 20 in like um, London, placed in Amsterdam marathon, you know, the big, big second tier races. Okay, I'm not winning them. That's the time to go and get your best. Mm. Then you look at winning marathons, smaller tier races that you can go and win. Yeah. So you're juggling all the time, yeah. changing your marathon running around. So then you, somebody, I mean, it was after I'd won loads of marathons and caused records on smaller races, you know, one of my, and I always kind of veer away from saying friends suggested because I keep saying that my friends suggested this and friend, acquaintances through running suggested, um, do Marathon de Sable, that's the toughest. That's the beast. You do that, you'll prove your point. So in case you trundle off and you do Marathon de Sable. But unfortunately, you break two toes before you do Marathon de Sable. So you decide, because you've affected a rescue of a lady in the race, um, one of my 10 mates was not, not good in that race in 212. The race, because it's considered to be a race of not just running, because very few people, unless you specialise in that kind of terrain, that kind of heat, are running those races it's a learning experience marathon mm. de sable can give you as much or as little as you want to take away from it if you want a bucket list ticked off and a medal it can give you that it can give you a whole life-changing experience if you want to embrace it for what what it is so i, I rescued this lady um and they offered me the opportunity of a place the next year. People say, mm, what didn't, didn't like you very much. But the mm -hmm. big waiting list to get in this race because there yeah. are a lot of high achievers that mm. like to do this to prove mm. they can. 
Uh, but in the meantime, um, somebody said, you know, you've, you've done it. You've got the medal and you didn't place badly, um, even with the broken toes. Um, why don't you consider the Arctic marathons? And it's a simple equation there. What, what are they? There can't be a marathon at the North Pole, surely to God. You know, that's crazy, even for me. And um, <laughs> yeah, sure enough, marathon at the North Pole. And I can't, it's a simple equation. When people come in from the cold, what do they say? It's like North Pole out there. And when they've run it, you know, when they're tired, oh, I feel like I've run a marathon. Mm. So put the two together. That's got to prove my point. Vegan mm. woman can run a marathon at the North Pole. Um, I looked into it. Very expensive race to do. We don't have the money. Um, but I got offered the place for free to be able to, if I'd go and do it. So I went along and I did it and I won it and I placed with the men and that was it. You know, some of the other guys said, you know, you are really good at this. I didn't even know I could run on ice. I mean, that's running on <coughs> ice and snow because of the knee. It dislocates very easily. I've always got to watch what I'm doing with it. Uh, 26.2 on a flat tarmac surface. I thought probably I can just about handle the rest of the running, the desert running, the jebels, the sand. I, I really didn't know. Um, but yeah, um, then I, it was just a simple equation. You know, it's just about changing it up all the time to get maximum effect and potency from what I'm doing. Do you see um the no kneecap and the challenges you've had with your with 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 your knee in any way as an advantage? Yeah, definitely. Because is there something about you being way more dialed into what's going on with your body? Yeah. And almost cha- being forced to um think about uh endurance running in a different way to the way that everybody else is thinking about it because because everyone else is thinking about winning hmm. they're thinking about personal best they're thinking about all sorts of other things you're you're not thinking about that stuff no not at you're all. thinking about getting it done yeah creating visibility and a platform yeah. for the things you care about the most which is veganism and and caring for animals yeah is, is that fair and yeah, are, you, are you are you conscious of that yeah i'm not interested in running but you're not you're not we had a conversation mm. just before we turned on the microphones and we were talking about fun and that's not something that well you what did you say you said i don't i don't enjoy enjoying myself i don't i don't expect to have fun in life do you enjoy, f- do you enjoy um caring for the animals um i enjoy the fact that the animals are cared for I work extremely hard out there. I spent 13 hours solid out there with a power cut, so no drinks, no nothing here, and cold water. And I spent 13 hours out there, but I enjoy the fact that they're cared for. I I don't enjoy the fact that so many aren't cared for. That's what drives me. And at the back of my mind, yes, the motivation is there because I see the animals and I see the product of what I'm doing, but always at the back of my mind, those animals are not, they are in my, the front of my mind because I've got the daily care of them. I'm looking at the ones, the voiceless, the faceless ones, and I'm thinking about them. I do not believe in ever congratulating myself on anything I've ever done. That, um, I, I think that stunts motivation to actually move forward and do more. Mm. So, yeah, um, there are 500 animals and many that have passed through this sanctuary that have, I don't consider them to have been lucky. I consider them to have been afforded the rights they deserve and should have had. Um, and I consider myself lucky to have been able to provide it for them. Mm. Somebody asked me uh, in one of the little films that one of my friends made, what would the animals say to you if they had a voice? And I, I said, I hope the one thing that they wouldn't feel they needed to say was thank you. Mm. Because they are, it's what they deserve. Yeah, it's what they deserve. Mm. But there are billions out there that are suffering horribly. Mm. There are people out there that are suffering hor- horribly. 
So what right have I to expect anything more than comfort? And you know, the you know, I don't live in a war zone. I turn the tap on and water comes out. If I had children, they would be educated. Mm. If I have an accident, that is a health service. What more? Why why are you so aware of those things? I think everyone should be aware of them. I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. But they're not. So why why are you? What 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 is it that's that's different about you that's making those things so clear that they're giving you that level of motivation all the time? Uh, truly, mm. I know this isn't a vegan podcast. Animals, no, but that's but, but, animals are dying. They're going yeah. into slaughterhouses, frightened, frightened out their minds. We are exploiting them. Um, I I believe that it's wrong. I don't like injustice. Mm. I don't like the unfair distribution of wealth. I don't like imbalance. I don't like the fact that there's pain and there's no hope. Yeah. Can, can I, can I, this really, uh, this question keeps popping back mm. into my mind and you talk about the animals not suffering. But you're, yeah, you're, but, but su- you're, you're but, suffering. But, so you, but you're suffering when, when you go. I, I mean, to be honest with you, you talk about suffering. I'm not suffering, even if I've got two broken toes. I mean, I think we've got, I, I actually believe, honestly. It's like somebody said to me, you're a talented runner, Fiona. I'm not. I've run with talented runners. I'm not a talented runner. I don't want, I can't say it's swear, but yeah, I don't want untruths in my life. It's not, I'm not a talented runner. I know I'm not a talented runner and I'm working with what I've got. Move on. But you, you, we had this conversation again before we, we, we started this and your talent... Is in my discipline. Yeah. Is and in my your motivation. Discipline. Yeah. That's right, which makes you a talented runner because you've used it and applied it to that. You know, Roger Federer, hmm. it, it, you know, he... Uh, you know, of course he had and has... Uh, 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 natural talent mm. but lots of people had that, that natural talent he's got the talent and the and the determination yes. as well yeah. but that's what i've said if i had talent to couple it with this kind of determination i would be at the front of the london marathon but i'm never going to be i've run f- people have said to me do you think if you'd have tr- if you'd have been full-time running bearing in mind i'm a very amateur runner i only ever run two marathons a year when i was road running uh, why two marathons a year well martin's days off is the work I can't I can't be away for long periods um I get invited to races so I don't have to pay for them it's economically and financially and physically the best way I can run marathons very very weird situation to be running around the Denji Peninsula on your own um you know I'm the runner that's like searching for socks you know two minutes before they set off I literally and then I'm like you know where do they go like some sort of sock vacuum. That I have the same problem. Yeah. yeah. And then you let, oh, I know where they are. Washing machine. Oh, get no. another run out of these. That's me. <laughs> um, straight back home, kit off. Or very often it's not even running kit off if I'm short on time, straight out to do the animals. I am that person. Um, so I'm, there is no talent in me at all for running. And I know that. Put it, put, Add it to some talent and you'd have a good runner. Mm. But I'm not even built for running. I mean, I had a bizarre story when I went to the Amsterdam Marathon. I, cut, I was on the Elite Star. I went to the Elite <coughs> Hotel. I got my, my, I got the room next to Haile Gabriel Selassie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that night we spent, to, you know, t- chatting in, in downstairs. You know, I was like, oh, it's Haile Gabriel Selassie. Oh, he's spending time with me. I had an amazing time where he really opened up to me about why he was doing this. He was going for the world record. So I went to collect my race number. Why was he doing it? He was doing the race. Uh, he was moving up from the discipline of 10,000 metres. He had no need to be doing that. His mm. track career was flamboyant. He was eminent. You know, he had no need to move up. And he said he had 
debated whether it was the right thing to do. He had a family back in Ethiopia. It meant spending a lot of time in Holland with Jos Herman. Was it the right thing to do? And he said probably the most pivotal thing was the amount of people in his country who depended on him for mm. that running, the amount of people he employed through his running, mm. the amount of help and notoriety he could give to Ethiopia through his running. That was that extra thing mm. that gave him the motivation to get up at you know, five in the morning to do his first session, to be away from his family, to do the business work in the day and to train again in the evening. There was something more than the running. It's the extrinsic motivation. And, that, and that's, yeah. that's yeah. a parallel so, with you. Well, he said that, but then I thought, yeah, yeah but I'm like way off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's the same. Yeah. You said it's the same principle. Yeah. And um, so uh, so I turned up and I'm collecting my race number and uh, I went to the elite office. You know, you don't go to the expo or anything like that. You just stay in a hotel. And I went there and, uh, can I help you? Yeah, I've come to collect, uh, come and collect somebody's number. No, I've come to collect my own number. And they didn't believe you yeah. because you don't look right. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, uh, you're on the elite start. And then I thought, oh, God, I've made a mistake. So I fished out the email from Jos Herman. And oh, my God, you are. Yeah, oh, you're this person. Yeah. And then they said, you know, if you ran out of your skin, you could probably come in the top 15, probably even top dozen runners here. And I came eight. Wow. You know, and I came eight only beaten by Kenyans and Ethiopians and in is, the Amsterdam Marathon. And did that make you feel proud? It made me feel proud for the animals, not for me. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I've met lots of people. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who is so um, disinterested in themselves. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you, you always you always put yourself second. Hmm. And I don't. That's the bit I don't really understand. If I'm honest, really, has that always, has that always, always as, been the case? Because mm. I think you're just as important as, 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 as we're all as important as each other. But yeah. you seem not to put yourself. There's no ego. I am very, very aware of the fact that um, life is very short. It's very tenuous. Whatever you do, you can be replaced. I'm only here to help but, others i don't but if I, you're only but are you are you suffering as a result of putting others first that's the question i want to ask i think no i i i don't know i mean suffering i probably in terms of what everyone else expects out of life probably so they probably think oh my god you know she let me look at the state of my hands i mean look at the state of what i've never been to a hairdresser uh-huh. They look lovely in a sense. Yeah, you know what? I went to America. In a sort I went of to farmy Amer- sort of yeah. way. I went to America last week, the week before, to, to be with Keegan in Sedona. And um, I'm doing the immigration form, you know, about the have you been on a livestock and have you been on, are you importing soil on on a, Oh, yeah, oh, probably God. <laughs> And look at my nails. And then, of course, you know when you do the old uh, fingers on the thing, I'm thinking, no, don't look at my nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I have no need for it. I have no need for anything. People don't. People have been sold this image all the time that if you buy this or you look like this or you do, it's coming from within. Yeah. I know at the end of the day, I'm not putting myself second because I am doing what my body and mind need to keep going. And my body yeah. and my mind need to be out there doing something positive and proactive for others. And that is fulfilling me far more than the person that's thinking about the meal tonight or going out. I'm not interested in that. And I feel I'm lucky for not being so, interested so, in that. Material so, things, they don't bother me. 
So if, if you were to put yourself first, others might come second. But if you put others first, hmm. you're putting yourself first. Exactly. I, I believe that probably because actually, um, I suppose they always say, you know, that it's better to give than receive. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I want, I'd rather have a big present. But actually, yeah. you know, if you get that joyous moment of knowing you've done a bit of good for someone else, you can't, it's like, for instance, if you go outside and you look at the car I drive. It was given to me. And it was given to me because it was offered to two other sanctuaries who thought it wasn't good enough. <laughs> and um, I got it. A woman heard about it. Lovely uh, old um, Ford Diesel 2003 car. And people look at me driving around here and they've all got Range Rovers and big cars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap that car for anything. You know, I w- I'm, I've got world records. And I've earned them, and yeah. I've earned them honestly. But you're proud of those world records. I'm proud of the fact that those world records have enabled me to go on the BBC. I'm proud of the fact yeah. that they've, they've given you the give me that platform. They've given yeah. you the I'm opportunity proud, yeah, to help. Like other people. when I'm, I'm on a sports show, I'm proud of the fact that you know. And people forget I've been invited on like sports shows with like Wayne Rooney and people like that to yeah. talk about sport, yeah, not yeah, about yeah. vegan sport, mm. about sport. Mm. Yeah, that makes me proud because I've got veganism where people have tried to block it. Oh yeah, people think oh, but everybody knows about veganism. You go back five years and they didn't you go back 10 years you go back 15 years Mm. and you wouldn't even know what a vegan was yeah and so so with veganism at the moment it it sounds like there is a i'm reading between the lines here so you're gonna have to correct me if i'm Mm. wrong it sounds like there is a danger Mm. that there are people are you thinking the, of the word bandwagon? Yeah, I was just thinking yeah. of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that people are sort of it's a trend. jumping on it yeah. because it's fashionable and it, yeah. and they can see it gives them a platform for them yeah. rather than They're for, interested in their veganism, yeah. Yeah. not veganism. Yeah. I mean, I can give you if, you, if you kind of looked on my computer now, you'd see <coughs> the amount of people that I'm helping silently, you know, through like in my sanctuary in Russia, people who write to me. That's not because I'm looking for praise. It's like there was a very, very funny scenario. Um, we, um, I went to um, Los Angeles last year. And there was a lady cyclist there at this sports forum called Catherine, um, Christine Vardras. And she explained to me, she'd come in on a flight and she was freezing cold on the flight. It was a horrible journey. And um, she got to go home on this freezing cold flight. She'd come via Iceland from Brussels. And um, I'd been given a Patagonia. They, got, they were trialling a new uh, non-downfill jacket. What was uh, it filled pat- with? Uh, just synthetic. Okay. Yeah. And um, on on the day we were... I was, I was going home that day... Um, I've just been given this jacket. And so what am I doing with this jacket when Christine needs it more? So I gave it to Christine, didn't think anything of it. Mm. I didn't look for any commercial thanks for that. That's just something you would naturally do. Surely you've got something that that would benefit that person. She was overwhelmed by it. And funnily enough, (laughs) um, a vegan um, podcaster did an article about me and she wrote in and she said, believe you me, nothing you read about this woman she would literally give you the shirt off her back and she told that story i wasn't looking for that no I you know it. i, I, I wasn't looking for her to do that i was but just doing what was obvious there's a, there's there's a lot written about um when you when you look at how the human condition and um what what gives people the capabilities to live in a positive happy state mm. and there's a lot written you mentioned it earlier about the importance of being of doing things for others extrinsic motivation rather mm. than int- intrinsic motivation um you again you from the way you talk you talk with so much um intent and confidence about your position 
you know it you know you know you're you know it's it's all about giving to other people because if i give to other people i feel good they feel good everyone wins but where does i don't feel good necessarily when i uh i don't give to other people with the intent of feeling in good no you're doing it just because it's the right thing to do yeah exactly but you're doing it for exactly the right reasons Mm. indirectly it's moving you on it's Mm. giving you motivation it's giving you what you need everyone's winning Mm. but where does that come from is that again is that something have you learned that no, uh, my granddad was very much like that. He'd, he'd give anybody anything. He'd always help someone. He'd, if he said he'd be there, he'd be there. And if he'd, he wasn't going to be there, he wouldn't say he would not turn up. You know, that's the difference. Oh, I've got one of those you can have and you never see it. He wouldn't say it. Mm. Probably wouldn't be the most well thought of person because he didn't appear to offer. But he didn't offer because he knew he couldn't, he couldn't deliver. deliver. Yeah. That's the, mm. that's the thing. And that's what I recognise. I will only say, and if I say it, I'll deliver it. Yeah. So you're very, very prepared to offer help <laughs> yeah. I know where you're gonna go but you're not very good at asking for it I've never asked for help why not um I, I don't think it's my place to ask for help from people I, I think if they see what you do and they choose to offer it that's fantastic and I take it with I'm very very humbled and gra- grateful but I don't want to be seen as some prior that goes out there and just expects I expect to deliver what I've need to deliver with myself you know from myself um i realize that i don't want someone else to do it for me particularly i don't i don't have this feeling that um i have a right um to anything uh, if somebody wants to offer help that's fantastic but they might not because sorry, people just... like people like you yeah and i and i think i know people like you i think i'm a bit like that as well mm. um People can't see it. They think you're strong. They mm. think you're really strong. So they don't think you need help because mm. you give the impression you don't need it. So it sort of a, can sometimes be a bit of a vicious circle that you're so strong, you don't ask for help, you look strong, they don't offer it, and you might not be... But, but, but I'm not, not asking for help for me. I mean, if people would see that the animals need help, or an in, I don't feel I've got an entitlement. I don't live in this kind of world of entitlement where everything that goes wrong, somebody else is going to fix it. I make it my business to fix my own problems. But if people want to help with the animals, then fine. Because obviously, the more help you get, the more animals I can help. So it kind of works that way for yeah. the sanctuary. But for the running, I don't ask for any help. No, no, okay, so so do you do you ask for help with the animals? How yeah, yeah, good yeah. Well, obviously, with for personally, uh, do I? go and sort of say give me some money for the animals I, I go out i talk we we ask for help on the um the website if you would like to sponsor if you would okay. like i don't bombard people with mails saying we we're going to fold up if you you know if you because at the end of the day there's got to be a baseline those animals are my responsibility and i will do whatever it takes that i can do to help them but people do kindly offer to it, it feels like it reflects what you were saying earlier that if those animals could talk then you wouldn't expect them to say thank you mm. and that's because you feel it's your duty to do what you're doing for them um but you you also uh, i think to raise point uh operate in a world where a lot of people won't feel it's their duty mm. so if you're not asking for help you won't necessarily get help mm. because it's not everyone's propensity to just offer yeah, but the kind of people I deal with, yeah, d- yeah they and know. That, and then that's the yeah. whole thing of yeah. you put good things out there, you get, yeah. get good things back, yeah. and that, and yeah. you're recognising enough of that that that's you're happy. Yeah. That's, that's... Financially wise, as long as we can support the animals at the sanctuary, I've no need for anything over and above that. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are you know when you run a charity, also there's a lot of bad press for charities with people you know bombarding people for help, people who are unscrupulous. 
um, charities that are unscrupulous. Um, so you had to be very, very careful. Mm. And I prefer that like-minded people tend to gravitate towards mm. and recognize the certain key triggers in what I do that is different. Mm. And that is what we rely on rather than just bombarding people for help. I mean, it's almost like, you know, um, people get sick and tired of it. And if they, if they want to find you and they recognize in what you, what you do individually, has been different from other people then that's great yeah yeah uh, but it's very hard to tell someone that you're different from other people or what how you operate is slightly different well it's that and that comes back to you just do and then yeah. people see and it's up yeah. to them to decide yeah what exactly do. exactly you can't force people to do anything that's where like with the veganism okay so you can show graphic images you can tell people and you can shout at people but it's far better to take an approach of um Showing people, actions speak louder than words. And as I say, I go back to this, but people forget that it's not that long ago before social media that you just didn't have that opportunity. Mm. You had to rely on manipulating the mainstream media Mm. to be interested Mm. in you. Now, they're going to be either interested in you for bad reasons or good reasons. And my life is about good reasons. Mm. But for me to try and engineer the mainstream media to be on side with a vegan agenda has not been easy. No, I can't. Okay, imagine. even now there's a kickback against it. You know, it's it's I mean I went on Sky News a while ago and I was like it's for World Vegan Day and I was kind of led on there to believe that we were going to be talking about the documentary. And then both presenters went into kind of a personal attack rhetoric on, on you know, like, what do you think about the guy um, from Waitrose who's lost his job for suggesting that all vegans should be killed? That's a bit extreme, isn't it? And to me, the extremeness is suggesting that anyone should be killed. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, mm. yeah. That's a good response. Yeah. It was, but it didn't stop the guy who was with her. Didn't like the fact that I'd got one over. Mm. And then, you know, um, he's going on, so you think I'm immoral for eating meat? And I said, my actions are where I place myself, my mm. beliefs. Mm. I, I do, it's not for me to judge anyone else. It's for me to judge myself. It's for you to, yeah. Mm. And I'm saying what I've done. Mm. Where you so earlier when you were talking about your love for animals and your attitude towards um, making that decision to be vegan, you talked about um, how horrific it is. But where where did you first come into contact with that? Did you did, again? Was it just you just worked it out, or were there was were there experiences where you where you came close to that and it and it and it shocked you? Things still shock me today about yeah. practices within animal agriculture. Because it's, it's them, so hidden, isn't it? It's yeah, so it's, off the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so have, um, you, have it's you right, more, I don't want to eat a dead body. But have you had more visibility into it? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I know what goes on. And if you get too, if you get too deep into it, and I think actually, if you were to go away now and spend an afternoon together yeah. looking at some of those specific graphic images and practices that go on, you'd be thinking... Uh, you know, I really question it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is kept hidden. It is kept, kept, and it's not something that is publicly um, shown because it is pretty, pretty horrendous. Yeah. Um, if you overload on it, I'm sure it would cause depression or yeah. uh, mental problems. Um, I use it more as uh, the trigger, yeah. motivation, knowing it's there, but keep. I'm very, very good at keeping things compartmentalized mm. in my mind. Occasionally, they do blow up. We had a guy, um, when we lived in Chesterfield, because that's where I come from, there was a guy who lived at the end of our road, Mr. Pepperdine, and he had been in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And only occasionally did it ever, ever come through. He he, he said he'd become very, very able to put it in a box. Mm. 
and there might be some trigger somewhere that opened that box but it was the box they didn't want to open mm. because it would actually be debilitating mm. um, and I figure that if um, like with my running a lot of activists get very angry they shout for me I'm not a confrontational person um, I can't abide suffering at all um, and I would rather channel the bad things and flip them over into good things mm. so okay if I've got anger if I've got frustration rather than just walking around the house gnarling and sort of shouting I'd rather go out and, and work it out and do something productive with it um, and running's a great way of yeah, it is. of dealing with that. Yeah, as well, it is. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is a great way of dealing with it. Can we can we talk for a second about because we, we should really uh, just focus for a minute on veganism, not so much for the choices of that, but the benefits mm. because that's so much of what you're about and what you're promoting. Mm. Um, you you eat one meal a day. Yeah. So you get up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go all the way through you yep. drink drink water through the day coffee water and water and coffee and peppermint um, tea and peppermint tea yeah. how many coffees do you reckon you drink a day three okay so it's just a normal amount yeah. really and then and then you go all the way through the day even with a 20 mile run or something yeah <laughs> and then what time and then what time do you eat and tell us about your attitude towards what you do eat it's food it's just fuel it's just so you just see it says no, there's no you do you enjoy food not particularly. It's fuel. You've got to get through it. You've got to eat it. You've got to get on. And, you know, I mean, uh, my mum does all the cooking. Does she? And we very often get donated food from on-date and out-of-date food that we can use to, to eat. What what time in the day do you eat? Mm, evening. Early evening. Okay. And what's a typical meal? Whatever she's got for cheap. Just give us, an, give us an idea. Mm, vegetables and lentils and a bit of rice. And yeah. Very cheap. So, you, so you're not, in the same way that you're actually very dialed in to other aspects <coughs> of your body and things that are going to further you with, from, a, from a running point of view, mm. diet you're, 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 isn't one of those. I've got 500 mouths to feed. Yeah. I'm not going to be thinking about mine first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, veganism has gone a bit just food. Mm. Picked hold no, of them. No, it's good, to, yeah. it's good to, for you to reference that, actually, because I, I, I'm, I'm ignorant to it. In the yeah, food. well, it's gone a bit food, delicious recipes. And, you know, people are actually selling veganism as a healthy mm. diet. It, there is junk food in veganism. I think we've got to be very, very careful of pointing that out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be vegan and automatically be healthy. I mean, what, what is a vegan? Somebody who just eats oranges? Mm. You know what I mean? You've got mm. to be very, very careful about this. And, and you're really aware of that. So yeah. when you're thinking about what you're, e you're eating, on, on, in that regard, you're saying it's fuel, but, it, but you've got to have the right complexion of fuel. You've got to have a ba basic balanced diet. Yeah. It's like I said, you know, to the girl yesterday, I'm not a vegan marathon runner. I'm a marathon runner who's vegan. Mm. And I actually drew an analogy. A lot of vegan uh, people who are top level in sport are more vegan than they actually think they are. Mm. I know I was doing the Atacama Crossing last year and we were sitting around because there was not a lot else to do in the evenings in a seven-day stage race yeah. <laughs> and in the tent. And one of the guys from Costa Rica, Paolo, he said, you know, I don't think I could just be... He said, I'm very ethically sourcing food. I don't think I could be vegan. I said, what, what do you eat? And we worked out it was basically 95% yeah, vegan. I could, a bit I could of salmon, it. a bit yeah. of chicken, no yeah. dairy, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um... So, I mean, there's people starving, got no food. Can mm. you imagine what, like, no food is? No food isn't like, oh, I've got this bag meal and I'm in Marathon de Sable, but actually um, on Saturday night I'm going to go back to Wazazat and I'm going to have a great big this, that and the other. No food is no food. Mm. No, you know, you're living in a tent. 
and you've not had a wash. But you're going back to a five-star hotel yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. What right have I got to say I'm suffering? They're suffering. Those people on the television in camps and like, you know, do you know there was an incident in um, Atacama Crossing on the last day for a treat, the race supplied some bread and an apple. They brought it in in the back of a truck and people went mad. The runners went mad for this. So imagine what the stampedes are really like mm, when the Red yeah. Cross go into these situations. Yeah, yeah. Your home's blown up. You've got no sanitation. You've watched your relatives die. I mean, what right? I'm not suffering. Come on. And I would say, you know, honestly, in this country, we've got to be very, very careful how we use words when we actually look that you think you get on a plane three or four hours away. That's suffering. Mm. And for me, I'm applying that model to animals in slaughterhouses and abattoirs and mm. factory farms and vivisection laboratories. That's suffering. Let's get a handle on what I'm doing here. Suffering. The, the Marathon de Sable and events like that, you can take away from them as much as you like, and they've got a lot to give. When you come back into Civvy Street, you turn that tap on every time, and you think you're not bothered if it's Perrier, no, or right. you're yeah. bothered if it's wet yeah. and drinkable. Yeah. You know, and if you bring that home with you, and you remember that every day, then you've really got your medal you're for Marathon for de Sable. Mm. Yeah. Um, so putting your hand up and saying, "Actually, I want to go home now. I'm really that hurt my toes." That's not suffering. Mm. But it's as best I can do to remind myself that those that are suffering and keeps me motivating to keep my feet on the ground. Do you, do you think you get attuned to suffering? Do you, think, do you think the more you, we talk in terms of comfort zones, you know, mm. the more you get out of your comfort zone, the more you're able to cope yeah. with getting out of your comfort yeah. zone? You expect to be out of your comfort zone. I don't really expect... And you get used to the feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't become painful. It yeah. just becomes something. It just becomes It's normal. a daily expectation. Yeah. It's my yeah. normal. It's your normal. Yeah. yeah. But to other people, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But you've stretched that comfort zone a long, long, yeah, long way. Yeah, and I think anybody and you're, could. And you're going to keep stretching it. Yeah. What? Where do you think it stops? I... I I don't know when I die. I don't know. I don't know. But do, you th um, do you think about that? Like, are you scared of that? Are you scared no. of like uh, when you get older and you can't and you can't do it in the same way? Well, but I think you're doing it in a different way. Yeah. I think everyone can do things in a different way. I, I I do my talk and I say I don't expect everyone to get up from this talk and go out and like, uh, you know, enter the North Pole Marathon, stock themselves up with four hundred animals, and think that's the way you you work the model. Yeah. And uh, and, and and you you were talking earlier about going to Hollywood and the premiere of Running for Good. I don't think we've actually mentioned... Mm. We did right at the beginning, oh, but that's, right, that's okay. the documentary yeah, film. Yeah, that's yeah. the documentary film. And you went to the... You hadn't even looked at it. Mm. Not mm. properly, anyway. Yeah. You should have done. Mm. It's, good, it's a good film. You should, you should watch <laughs> yeah. it at some point. Yeah. yeah. And and you 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 uh, tried to sit at the back mm. and they were having none of that. Yeah. It's like brought you out the front mm. and you're trying to think... You're thinking how you could avoid... You know, mm. or maybe I could pretend I've dropped something and have my head down. Mm. And so you're, it seems to me anyway, talking to you, that you're uh, an introvert. Mm. At, at your core, mm. you're an introvert and you've sort of had to do things that have force put you... Yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, force yourself mm. to be in the limelight a bit and you mm. prefer not to be. It's the animals that you mm. want to be in. So that's a comfort zone that you've constantly been challenging. Mm. And do you think you'll ever get used to that? Is no, it getting I, easier? 
yeah is it getting easier it gets easier because you get more used to it mm. and things that you become more familiar with you do do become easier generally it's not something i think i'll ever enjoy i but i don't enjoy marathon running remember you no, know? but it's the same thing, isn't yeah. it? Your it's quite comfort a model. zone's you need expa- to be a, expanding. I mean, people have said to me, oh my goodness me, and they've heard me talk, and they said, you know, somebody said, I've never laughed and cried so much listening to someone <laughs> talk. You like Victoria Wood, you know, and I know she's passed away now, so I'm very sad about that because I used to love Victoria Wood. But um, it's just, uh, it, okay, if I've got to do it. I've got to do it well. Mm. Dig it out. Mm. Dig it out from somewhere. Victoria Wood was definitely funnier than you. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. And she could play the piano better. But you know what I mean? When I do get on on my talks uh, and I go off on my little... I mean, I've got some stories from these races that you (laughs) not want to hear. They do say what goes on in the desert stays in the desert. Believe you me, we've got some tricks. Um, So, yeah. But if you've got to go and do it, do it well. Yeah. And find a way. And do you know, I used to wonder what that meant, you know, You've heard people, like, if you watch tennis and um, Federer will be two sets down. And they'll say, but he'll find a way. Mm. You, you find a way mm. of turning it around. And that's just about finding a way of, okay, I don't like doing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I need to find a way to do it. But the alternative is losing. Yeah. So I don't really <laughs> yeah. don't want to do that. So, yeah. uh, you know, you find a way of, of doing it. But it's not where I want to be. No. No. It's not. But you do find that, I think, with a lot of... Um, people in the limelight they don't necessarily want the limelight um they want to hide away from it but it's something like game head on you've got to go and do that um so it's part and parcel of what you do yeah it's part of, of the being course. the best you can be of doing what i need to do uh, because i need to promote uh, and i didn't really know how the veganism thing was going to work. I didn't set out to start vegan runners. I didn't set out to elite marathon run. I didn't set out to break world records. It's kind of organically grown. And part of it now is to tell people what you've done. Mm. Yeah. Um, I did actually hope that others would tell what I'd done. But obviously there's a conflict of interest between other uh, large organizations, vegan organizations promoting what mm. you've done, mm. um, especially having the sanctuary because it could take an audience away from, from their audience. Um, so, I realised then I'm going to have to do it myself, uh, which is something that I've never wanted to do, never will want to do. Um, I like to be physically here looking after the animals and out running and, and, and that's what I feel I'm probably better at, but I'll go and do it. I'll just go and do it. Um, simple. simple. What, what would you say to other people um, that you've learned that, that, that allows you to um, be your best self? What, what 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 would be your advice to people? So I, 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 it would be really good to hear you talk about the importance of a vegan diet and the benefits that that gives you and, and, and also um, anything else you've learned about giving things 100%. Know yourself. Know yourself. Don't always look... We've become a little bit of a nanny state here yeah. where we always expect some a problem, somebody else will fix it. I'm going to sue... Look at yourself, know yourself, learn how to fix things yourself, learn how to listen to yourself, learn how to listen to your body. And how do you, this how, is from a mind and body perspective. Yeah. How, yeah. Do you, how do you do that? What are your tactics to doing that? I say tactics. I've, honestly, I've never really thought about anything I've ever done. It's come very naturally to me. Yeah. It's not natural to me to cut my finger and go crying off and saying put a plaster on it it's down to me to fix that it's not my natural instinct to want others to step in i will very very um 
self-challenging and I will try and I will find a way myself whether it's pride with my family we don't come from a family of askers you know we're all those people that you know I go back to my granddad when um in the 1940s there was very bad snow in Chesterfield and he was on the dole um or and there was an opportunity to work for free to go snow shifting Uh and that would where he would go he didn't want to be unemployed he wanted to work for his money he didn't want to take money for free my mum always uses before the national health service because she was born just before the national health service there used to be a shilling in a cupboard and that was for the doctor if they needed to call the doctor and it was always there and it was never ever touched we aren't from a family of grasping helpers we are from a family that seek to sort out our own problems so for me it's it, i go back to the marathon running you know people always want to read how to hmm. run a fast marathon or read or, or listen work it out yourself and by experience you will learn so much more than you ever done by someone else's experience uh, i mean this, this, this is fantastic yeah because I, mean, I say it's fantastic because this is what this is where we come from where mm. we think it's so important to go out mm. and, and learn by doing mm. you know and also don't always think that the mistake and the problems and the things that go wrong you will learn far more from the things that go wrong than those that yeah. go it's right part, part of the and that's yeah. what you very very well of when you were coming back to the marathon running the training sessions that you go out and you run and you feel great are great yeah okay you feel good and you but you full well know that probably the ones that you're really digging deep in yeah you're getting more back from yeah um, it's how far and how deep are you prepared to dig? Mm. And I'm tunneling my way down to Australia when it comes to this. You know, I didn't need to get on a plane. I just popped up in Melbourne. You know, but that's what you know. That's that's what it's all about. And I think that the culture we are breeding today with Instagram, instant. If it's not instant, it's not worth looking at. They're not the things that will fulfil you no. and 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 give you a better life. The things that you earn will but it's a very hard message to sell mm. in terms of because it's not sexy it's, it's not just kind of no. just keep doing it and yeah. take personal i mean this is what this girl was wanting you know well, well there isn't any key mm. you know to to run in a fast marathon you're gonna have to go out week in week out measure your effort usually what you what you're thinking about in the training session you're doing is making sure that you're doing just right amounts so you can do it again tomorrow the day after the week after um it's not it's it's not a pretty message to sell the truth very often isn't mm. and i think there's an old saying if you if you speak the truth you'll have very few friends mm. but it is the real the real world and you know with the i, I you know i didn't realize i mean i i said okay people said to me oh put more stuff on instagram put more i said i will but i refuse to enhance pictures in any way shape Good. or form i yeah. refuse to lie i refuse to like uh, you know put that you go out training for you know 20 miles and you come back with a full face of makeup that's just stupid yeah <laughs> but it's you know it's just daft but i mean it's what it's being sold to a false reality that people cannot live up to and i think it causes um severe problems mentally for people who believe that oh that person's happy because they've got the, they're constantly striving to attain what that person's got look at rather than stripping it all back and looking what they've got and how they can work on that to make themselves happy yeah and happiness comes from within it does I'm it's sure. interesting because this there's this balance and in, we're and you, it seems, are big advocates of, of learning by doing, mm. you know, conducting experiments with ourselves mm. and our personality and our, our body and our mm. mind and all, as, as a way of learning and failing is a big part of that. And, you know, I think probably 
punch in the air when you when mm. you have a, a success is a big part of it as well because mm. you've got to have that every mm. so often <clears throat> but part of the reason we're doing this podcast is that we want to share stories from mm. people who have gone on this journey because sometimes it can change your direction you hear that somebody has done something you think ah I could experiment with that mm. with myself so I think it's, it's, it's about this balance and I'm sure you've run with people who have, you know, you've been sat in a tent and they've mm. said, uh, Marathon de Sable, they've, they've said, ah, well, you want to make sure you do this with your gaiters or something mm. like that. And you go, ah, oh, bloody hell, that's a mm. good idea. Yeah. So it's always this balance between experimenting with yourself and listening to others. Mm. Um, and, and, and they're equally as important. Yeah, they are definitely. I mean, some people, I go back to the marathon running and people ask uh, for tips on marathon running. And the tips that I've got to offer, people are like, oh, don't want to know that, don't want to know that. You know, for instance, I'm a great advocate. So people say, well, you only eat one meal a day. That's really unusual. I thought it was. I never really considered it. I, I this is where I was going earlier because there's something in keto, isn't there, <coughs> around I don't. Um, do you know, somebody asked me and... what a keto diet, I didn't even know. All I know is I don't put names to things. Yeah. Uh, you but know, you've I worked do, it out. You've worked, worked it out, it out what works it. for me. And funnily enough, I was in. Uh, I went to uh, uh, Russia uh-huh. to run a big marathon, and the IAAF uh, were doing a conference there, and I was on the conference panel, you know, with the elite runners. And uh, so, one of the Kenyan coaches said to me, um, "They were putting on a lunch." I uh, said, so "You can have lunch." And no, I don't eat lunch. I said, "No, oh, what's that?" Um, I said, I only eat one meal a day. She said, oh, the warrior diet. A lot of the Kenyans do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've worked it out. They've worked it out that, you know, if you go to um, Kenya and see how a lot of the top runners like Elliot Kipchoge train, when they want to train, they go back to where Mm. what they're familiar with. And that's austerity. Mm. I mean, and I've always kind of wondered with footballers, okay, they get these flamboyant salaries. Can you really leave a £15 million mansion in a £500,000 car and go onto that pitch and train and the want be there, the life so. and death want. I don't think so. I don't think you can. I no. think you've got to be a very special person to do it. I know um, my feed merchant, actually, when we're unloading the copious quantities of hay and straw, he said, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is a prodigious worker. Mm. Even though he's got that, he will divide that. With, but he stands out for it. His career is mm. testament to mm. The length of his mm. career is testament to it. But I do wonder if you can go out with that raw hunger. Mm. Um, and also whether luxury. they could be doing more with it to the yeah. same degree that you are if they weren't benefiting so much or or, 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 or lavishing the comfort. Yeah, you know, I mean, to be honest got... with you, I, I remember one year there was something on at Christmas and one of footballers' wife was complaining that there was a match, was a match on Boxing Day or something. There was going to be training or something. And I'm seriously wondering, well, what, aren't they training Christmas Day? Mm. They you are. Know, you know. They are. Christmas Day morning they train. Well, I would train twice on Christmas Day. I went out here and we had B&B guests who can bear testament to this. Um, about six o'clock, one of them was milling around and he said, are you going to start the... Are you going to go for a run now? I said, I've just been and back. I went out at half past three um, until about half past five. Then I started the jobs. I felt that the jobs would be disruptive to the guests if I started and there was any noise. And my mum, I don't eat lunch, but my mum had prepared a little Christmas <coughs> dinner. And um, Sean said to me, are you, you going to join us? And I said, no, I'm going out running again. I'm going to do my hill work now because it won't be busy. I always run. And, you know, and that, I think Daley Thompson said, you know, if you train on Christmas Day, uh, you, you hope you, you train twice because you hope that if your competitors are training, 
they're only training once, once. Mm. you know can we just just going back to the footballers just been thinking mm. about it i mean i i think your um observation mm. it's a really good one but i think it assumes they're motivated by the money and I think the best footballers aren't. I the agree. Best sports the best people. To be honest with you, the best business people I don't think are motivated by money. I don't, I don't think money. they can. It, the money is a severe temptation now. I think with people, and I think that it's not just the money; it's the prestige. I yeah, think you lose fame, a handle. The the, I think if I think you lose a handle on reality when you've got people around you, just yes, people around you. And also, I think it's extremely difficult for footballers because they are uh, very much in the forefront, mm. um, much more less than marathon runners mm. uh, or, or yeah. athletes. And there are a lot of you, you. You must become very dubious. Who is my friend? Who is telling me what I want to hear? It yeah. must be. Yeah. Very, very difficult to be well, in that. I, I like the story of Peter Crouch when he sort of just just hit the big time, and he mm. he went out and he bought a some stupid car, Lamborghini mm. or something like that, and he's sitting at the traffic lights, and he's feeling like, oh, I've made it, I've mm. made it, and then this old jag pulls up next to him at the traffic lights and he looks across and there's Roy Keane sitting there mm. and he turn, turns around to him and just shakes his head and mm. basically saying twat yeah. <laughs> he said yeah. he said like three days later he took the car back yeah. 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 this isn't me well that's yeah. learning by yeah. doing again yeah. 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 And, I, and I think Peter Grouch is, is yeah. actually one of those footballers yeah. who's pretty solid yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, but I mean, you know, obviously you're asking people not just to be good at football, you know, and, and be disciplined and you're asking people to be very, very morally upstanding and not drawn into temptation. Mm. Mm. And I hate to say this, but I think very often men are drawn <laughs> quicker mm. into temptation I think you're right. than some women. Mm. Um, well, I think that's because they're, they're judged possibly in in that way and also i've you know i've i've run uh marathons women only starts and it's a completely different atmosphere to when men are on the start it, H- they're a different how's it, how's it different men get very excited you'll always <laughs> get the men there it's not us yeah they'll always go off too quick <laughs> the right, egos yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, where yeah. women will be very very um friendly to each other um very much the job in hand is my race yeah um it won't get all kind of ridiculous and kind of flamboyant throwing yourself around. Very, very judged, very, very metered, especially in the endurance sports, because I think they say that there's uh, the longer the distance, the smaller the gap between men and women come. Hmm. Women are very, very good at judging themselves and, and they don't have that natural testosterone mm. rush to just yeah, get okay. out there so they're and, more you know, competing against themselves than they yeah. are against others. But yeah. they're starting to break through now, aren't they? I'm, I'm, I'm reading more and more about women absolutely surpassing men especially on the endurance stuff yeah i mean i've i've been to races and won outright yeah on the on you know beat all the men and women yeah um because you it's about a a mental discipline that's it and i mean you know when i was at the north pole um some of the guys just went off too quick i mean the things you've got to worry about the north pole things like hypothermia Mm. you're going to get hypothermia if you slow down Mm. so you want to judge your post to be perfect not to and you're going to slow down at the end of a marathon Normally, if you slow down at the end of the marathon, you just lose a few seconds mm. or minutes. Here, you're going to lose your race because if you slow down, you will get hypothermia. Mm. And uh, a lot of the guys got hypothermia uh, because of that. Um, your, your your knowledge of that, where does that come from? It's common sense. But that's not, that's beyond common sense. That's that's got to be trial some level error. of research. But you can't no. try and error that because it's because you're not running. You're not. Well, I'm very very pole. good at judging a scenario and what I can do in it. And I'd, I, I'm very realistic to what I can do. I know what I can do. I don't know what a magazine tells me I should be able to do. Yeah. I know what I can do. Um, I, 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 this, this is the, the big takeout from this, this conversation, I think, is just your level of self-awareness 
Um, and personal and, responsibility. And personal responsibility, uh, which I think are very, very close to each other linked. yeah, yeah. Um, i haven't quite worked out how but they're very very linked and, and and you will listen to other people by the sounds of it but you're gonna want to experience it for yourself before it becomes fact um yeah yeah and no i mean i in my world i don't i don't actually do anything much more than run and look after the animals <laughs> And there's no one in my world doing what I'm doing that can pretty, pretty much guide me in terms of the mm. fact there are plenty of people looking after animals. Yeah. And there are plenty of people running. But they don't do both. And there's, yeah, and with the vegan thing, they don't do it all. No. I mean, yeah. as Keegan said, when he came over here and he actually assessed what he was going to film for this film, he didn't know. The reason Keegan made that film about me, I knew about Cowspiracy, and that was really groundbreaking. Made, so just so, to be clear, he 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 he's the guy behind Cowspiracy. Yeah, and which, what which, the hell? Yeah, and what the hell? Yeah, but both like Cowspiracy really broke through, didn't it? Got a big yeah, big audience. Yeah, I mean, I think Cowspiracy's got Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, involved in it, yeah. and and it's it's a big film, very controversial film, and. Um, I don't know why people ask me, well, how did so-and-so get in touch with you? Very often I don't know. I don't mm. know how or why they, you know, it's very hard to write back and say, if somebody wants to write yeah. something about you, well, how did you hear about it? It's very, very hard to be that. In. But um, apparently um, Keegan, uh, when he was making Cowspiracy, did a crowdfunding. And um, I wrote to him. I thought the idea was ingenious. I mean, I, I just want to help anyone who wants to help animals. And I said, "How? What can I do to help? I've just broken the world records. Is there anything I can do to help?" When this was as part of him crowdfunding for Cowspiracy. Yeah. Oh right. I, I wrote okay. him about yeah. uh, because I just wanted to help. Yeah, him. yeah. And um, he looked into who I was, and he thought, "Jesus, I should be helping her." And she's reaching out to me. She's got five hundred animals to look after. Mm. She's got all this. And, and, he, and he put it on a back burner because obviously he was in the middle of Cowspiracy and he'd been toying with the idea. He's made Cowspiracy, which is the, the horrors of animal agriculture. Um, he's made What the Health, which is the impact on personal health. Uh -huh. And now he wanted to do something positive. This is what you could be if you were vegan. And that's when he grabbed the opportunity to make the film about me. But when he came over to meet me, he came over, he hadn't met me before and so he just came over and assessed what he saw hmm. and what angle he wanted to take. And when he saw what my daily routine was, and I hadn't got as much on then as I have now, he said it's suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just suicidal. What you do is suicidal, but you do it well. And you know, I know my limitations. Hmm. I don't think I'm infallible. I don't think I'm kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, some sort of from another planet i know i'm mortal i know what i can do and i can work within that very very comfortably and um that's when he said i wasn't sure what angle i wanted to take but i really want to with the running i'd like to show something that kind of mirrors your life mm. and i said marathon de Salbo would be a good race because there are some spectacular races out there that you could do but there's none with the structure in place to get you to the spectacular yeah. places mm. to film. Mm. Marison yeah. de Sable can do that. Yeah. yeah, And that's why we went with Marison de Sable. I thought, oh, I've got to do that again. Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, go on. So um, you wouldn't have done it had the film not... Um, probably not. Um, no, okay. I wouldn't have taken the time away from the sanctuary, but it, it would just decided, you know, that would be the one to film. Yeah. I'd have done something, but yeah. probably not MDS again. And um, 
so I reached out to him to help him and that's why he kind of found out about me but he just said you know it's kind of crazy what you do in terms of but when you come and you see it all work you see that you really do do it mm. you wouldn't believe somebody can just run and he did film me running for like three and four hours in the snow and walking straight back in just going back out like i've done nothing that, that's the job done go and do this job and i've done it for years it's all i've ever done and i will i will say i've never had a running injury touch wood really yeah Never had a running. Well, I, I think that's because you, you you know yourself. I mean, yeah. this, this, it comes back to, and you know your limits. Yeah. And your limits. And may... you do get to know what you can push through sensibly. You yeah. really yeah. do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a Russian um, coach uh, for um, a gymnast. I was t I was talking to at one of the races I went to in Moscow, and he said if he had coached the Russian gymnasts to only work when they were fit, they wouldn't have had a member of the team. They had to learn how to work around injuries, do other training, do other disciplines. And that's what most will mm. tell you. Mm. I just had interaction with somebody from Russia, and I know there's going to be all them, mm, but they use drugs. But in essence, you have to learn how to work around mm. things, what you can and can't do, what cross-training you can do, when to back off, when to push. And, and that's, that's, that's you looking after yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's, because you're no good to anybody. I'm no good to the animals. No, exactly. I'm no. I mean, that's the point. When when my partner um, finished work at Bank of New York, and he said he was going to help me more here, I said, you know, it's not just about physical and mental. You don't own your body anymore when you work here. Your responsibility is to be fit to look after mm -hmm. them, and you put. So you haven't got choices. Your choices you make must be weighted against keeping yourself well and fit to go out there the next day and do it mm. and next week and do it and the next year and do it you are sustainable yeah it's got to be mm. and i've done this for year in year out i know what every day routine is going to be never alter i mean and that's what they said on christmas day i said look sean it's not christmas day it's the 25th of december mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and it's different and that's what you've got to just open. If something needs doing, you don't think, oh, I can't do it. It's 7 o'clock Sunday evening. You do it. Mm. An hour is an hour in the day. I'd like to see you go back and tell your kids that next Christmas. Well, I'm going to now. <laughs> yeah. We're going out running. I'm not going to try it at home. Oh, do you know what? Well, Christmas Day next year, I'm really going to remember this and I'm going to yeah, feel yeah. like I need to be out twice. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to take it. No, three times. I'm yeah. going to no, three times. I'm well, very, <laughs> that's a good way of training, actually. If you See, that's when people say, how do you train for Maris and Sables? No, I don't know. Uh, I really don't. Um, you, if you, unless you go to Morocco or somewhere hot and you're running the sand, you just have to formulate ways of making it hard here. So if you want to run 30 mile in a day, don't run 30 mile. Run 10 mile in yeah. the morning, 10 mile at lunchtime, and 10 mile, yeah, yeah. And, and work in between. Yeah. So then you've done a long stage, yeah. which is like 60 odd mile. Yeah. But you haven't done it in the desert and you haven't done it in the heat, but you've had, you've been on your feet a long time because in, in the middle of it all, you've You're been doing, doing the work here. Yeah. 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 So simple as that. Um, what comes next for you, Fiona? Because you're, you're running, you're running um, Marathon de Sable again mm. in April. <laughs> Yeah, I'm running Marathon Double again in April, and um, I'm hoping, when I did it in 2014, I was doing really well in it, coming in the top place in each stage, and um, I was in the tent with a, a guy who was poorly. He shouldn't really have been in the race, he got consultant letters and whatever, and the BBC were filming as well there, and he was in our tent. And um, he'd had leukaemia, he was on chemotherapy. Jesus. And he desperately wanted to make a statement mm. to other 
people who um you don't have you, problems you don't have to suffer you can well you can it, don't let it beat you yeah. you can beat it and if i can do this race yeah what can you do you can do anything mm. with this terrible disease or any other terrible disease and um his name was mike julian and um on day two he um came back to camp and said i can't do it i'm broken and this is to give you an idea the stages are about 35 to 40k but they're they're long and hard and i was doing them in like four hours mm. mike was taking like 10 or 11 and he was Jeez. and so bearing in mind when you take a long time to do a stage you come back to camp it's getting dark yeah you haven't got time to you prepare time for the next stage and, and you're literally fiddling about with little bags and what's this for and i can't see that oh, sorry you know the person next to you it's, it's very difficult and he said i'm going to pack up I'm never going to get through the long stage, even if I hack through tomorrow, which is another yeah. pretty long stage. I'm never going to do the long stage. And I said, you know, okay, if you can do tomorrow and you still want to carry on the long stage, I'll mentor you around it. And I did hope that somebody else in the race who was going to walk or go slow might offer to take on that mantle instead of me. Because now I think I was about sixth overall at this oh, point. God. And um, I remember it was... The Tuesday night and they always run the long stage on Wednesday uh -huh. um, with the idea that they give people about 34 hours to get through it till Thursday night and then there's a marathon on the Friday and I'd gone to bed and I remember hearing clapping at the finish line and I got up I went to the finish line to see who was coming in and it was Mike and he came straight over to me and said does your offer still stand for tomorrow <laughs> oh, they couldn't say no I've changed mine now that's <laughs> 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 no, <it's> really well <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it hard tomorrow. um but yeah of course it did because actually at the end of the day it is compassion over competition and hmm. um, and that's what's more important so we hacked our way around how did you mentor him around what did that what did that well, he was in a state. I mean, everything. <laughs> all my food, all my water, everything I had to give him. I mean, literally to march. What him. about the psychology? For me, it was easy because I was in such a good place. I mean, uh, under my, under K in the desert weren't going to bother me. Uh, I'd be out there all day long. And if it's hurting, I'm, I'm loving it. But more, how did you pass that on to him? I just shouted at him a lot. <laughs> did you? <laughs> and we got a girl there, um, Vicky, a barrister, lovely girl that in my tent. And she was... Um, I can't stress enough, this race does make you frightened mm. because people who do it are high achievers and high achievers are frightened yeah. of failure. Yeah. And it takes you to dark places and you do wonder if you can keep going and why you're doing this. It really hurts. And um, she said, you know, I, I thought I'd trained for it and I've just got it all wrong. I mean, it's just appalling. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is just appalling. <laughs> And she said, "Can I can I join you and you and you and Mike?" I said, well, "Yeah, more the merrier." Well, you're having more fun. Yeah, yeah. she said, you? and I remember they asked her what she said. She's like some kind of a running dominatrix. <laughs> just oh, like geez. literally, just keep going. Keep. I said, "This is how we're going to work. If you stay with me, you will finish. If you don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, you've got to do what I say." And the key to it was not stopping at checkpoints very long. And um, we came out of one checkpoint, it was just getting dark and there was a big climb. And I said, we need to get up that because it's going to be dangerous if we don't. <laughs> Vicky started crying. All I remember was slapping her on the face. Did you, what, you actually yeah. slapped her on the face? Yeah, she's hysterical. 
I mean, it's, it, she was frightened. She said, you know, well, I'm going to pack. I can't do it. I cannot. My body will not do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do it. It's horrible. And it is. It gets you like that. You could probably, if you ever need work in some specialist club in London. I know that's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you, could t- you could, there's probably a big market for it. Uh, uh, yeah, specialist like kind of sand running club, I think. But no, we, I just marched them through it. I literally, I've got a tempo, I hit the tempo and like 60 odd mile or whatever it was bang it out but Mike was in a bad way Vicky and I you know Vicky was much better after I'd bribed her with Percy's love hearts um, what she kept Percy's on, love hearts uh, obviously you, I know you want Percy's, to eat, you, you've got your little, a little better, better. Yeah. and he had these little packets of um, palmer violets and love hearts and it was like you go another kilometre and you get another love heart you know it's like, All right. and so you've got this like high flying criminal lawyer like oh yeah. another love heart there, another. but anyways you kind of there the moments you remember and that's why you re-enter they're the rose tinted spectacles um, yeah but Mike was in a very, very bad way. Um, you know, he couldn't remember to take his chemotherapy. It was hard, but we got through. And he got through the next day and he, oh, he finished the race. Um, so that's that's great. So that's 2014. So you to... basically ran three races or more than three races then? Yeah, I mean, I did it at the North Pole as well. Jeez. I mean, I, um, I mean, there's one guy out in the North Pole. I'd gone to do the marathon. Um, I don't even consider myself to be an ultra runner. I'm not even a runner, really. But um, there was a 100k race. And Mike, uh, no, Tom, his name was Tom, was um, out there for the 100K. And he got a cold and he was not well. And you've got 100K, 10, 10K loops in, in Antarctica. Yeah. It was not funny. Um, so they said, um, would anybody mentor him round on one loop, take one loop from him, take two loops from him? And I did all the loops with him. And at the end, just coming up to the 800 metres to the finish, I, I had to run on ahead. Because it wasn't, wasn't really tiring me. The only problem I got there was my gear wasn't designed to walk in Antarctica. It was like I got running gear. Mm. So I had to put uh, various layers on underneath. I had to run on ahead, tell his girlfriend what he needed, cat, wait for him to be ready to go out. And I had no food for that. I had no um, nutrition for the 100K because I'm not thinking I was doing it. So he, I just sat in a corner and waited for him. And the minute he said go, we went back out there and we went through everything. We we named every horse I've got. We went backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So just anything pushing. to distract the mind. Yeah. Just... I mean, it was, you know, you try 100K in Antarctica on 10, 10 kilometre loops over like 20 isn't, odd hours. Isn't it amazing how other people can help you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it's in so many instances, it is the difference. I mean, you can help yourself. Absolutely, but mm. sometimes somebody else is the difference. And it's the most insignificant thing. I mean, actually, I, I say this to people. I remember running in uh, Florence one year, and I was I was going maximum out. It was a big marathon. I wanted a place. I, was, <coughs> I got to that point at 23, 24 miles when you, the wheels are wobbling, mm-hmm. and you're about to come off, and you're praying. And there was a guy next to me, and I've got a lovely picture of us all running together, and he's he's going like this to the crowd because he's like knows that I'm you know. He spotted it. Well, no, he not no, he's just like applauding me because I'm up there with the guys oh, at the I top see. of the race. Wow! And for that short period of time that you're in these races, these people are the closest friends yeah. and yeah. allies. Well, they've become got. almost part of you. They're yeah. an extension of you. Yeah, you're the camaraderie, the yeah. bond yeah. becomes absolutely like that. And in the stage races, that's what you get. You're suddenly in a tent with like a load of blokes. You're there getting your kit off, you know, <laughs> you, know go, you don't care about anything, you know, it's like your intimate secrets have been shared and whatever, and like, goodness knows what. And for that week, 
they're your family. Yeah. They're yeah. all you've got to rely on. The bond. I, I've often thought, wouldn't it be good to put like world leaders in that situation yeah. and let and them, let them s- work it they've out? They've got to work together because they're going to come away from it with a different respect. For I would another. think so. I would think, and I know my Tent One Hundred Five mates mm. uh, really have. I mean, we're all very close. That's probably them. Like, oh, Fiona, I want to come with you, and you know, that's on the WhatsApp. Um, yeah, it's the great bond that you form over yeah. that should we, week. Should we try and get Donald Trump? And maybe a few others come oh, on some, some sort of team building with us. Well, can you offer it up now, Fiona? If, Don, if Donald Trump accepts it, will you run with him? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be there with you. Yes, yeah, so yeah. will I. Damn is. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, to be honest with you, I, I do see there's validity in it. You know, strip oh, no, it all back. There is. Strip there it is. all back. It's, yeah, we've made it all too complicated. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I, people say, well, what is Maris and Starble like? I say, well, imagine this. You're trudging along. <laughs> I won't say running because you're just doing what you do to get forward. It's you movement. Know, it's movement. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, sometimes I say, you know, what was the scenery like? I don't know. I was just like looking at the guy in front's legs and hoping that, you know, that counting yeah. the hairs. And you kind of, <laughs> as long as you look up and the scenery has changed every so often, you know you're on a win in that race, you know. And um, you think to yourself... If somebody were to stop and offer you a large diamond, you'd say, hmm, how heavy is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's quite a big one for you. Yeah. You'd be all right. No, it's too heavy. I can't yeah. redeem my pack or, uh, you know, a 500 euro note. What can I do? Toilet paper. Yeah. yeah you, know, you know, and you really would. I mean, there are times when you're sitting in there and you think one guy, Paul, he was very senior at Credit Suisse, very yeah. senior. And you're like trading toilet paper for a paracetamol. <laughs> and you know, you're really like, this is serious business. It's another much world. Sim- you've, come, you've gone yeah. into another world. And yeah. maybe in some ways it's a better world. It is a better world. It is a better world because you actually strip back to actually what yeah, is let's important. Be pro- let's be human. Life is important. Mm. Life is important. Many, many people only realise that when it's too late. Mm. Um, for me, I realise that now and I always have realised it. And I project that to both animals and people. Mm. Their lives are equally as important to me as my own. Mm. So make it count. Yeah. The Just to finish off then, you, you so you said you're, go, you're going back in April and it's it sounded like what you were saying is this hopefully is your opportunity to go and this is going to be your run. Yeah, I keep saying to people, I, uh, I, w- I want to go without broken toes, broken tent mate, how are the broken to- shoes. How are the toes? Toes are fine. Yeah. Yeah. And you um, can't control the other bit. So it is what you can't, it is. To be honest with you, in that race, you can't control anything. I was there one year and the race leader, he was coming into the finish of one of the stages and fractured his leg. Oh, man. He just, really? It's impossible. You, yeah. you just don't know. I mean, and if you don't climb Jebels every day, I mean, the, the people who win those races know every inch of that desert. Can you, do you, you know, you said earlier, um, it's come through so much about knowing yourself, knowing your li- limits and knowing your capabilities. Are you going to try and win it? No, I've never what, won the what, race. What, what, what do as well to... as I can in it. Do as well. Just see if I can if I can hit the long stage hard, if I can stay upright. The challenge is in the race. The challenge is in the completion. I have no expectations. Something might happen along the way that might, you know, for me, what is a win? What is winning the Marathon so, de Sable? Is I, it, I, I, think, I think you've got another challenge here. I think your challenge is to do it for yourself. Yeah, it sounds um, like To it. do as well as I can and for t- myself, for the animals. But, I want but to your, do that. your problem is going to be whether there's somebody in need and yeah, whether you can... Yeah, we'll always put that person. Yeah, yeah or... or, or can you let somebody else look after them? That's if they would have done, but they won't. But Very they many, won't, but they won't do because you do. No, I. We offered it up with Mike. Nobody was prepared to help Mike. 
Nobody so, was prepared and, and to help. So you're going to go out there looking to do this one for you. I but feel that if, somebody... you, if you go out there with a set expectation, you're going to be ending up for failure. I'm yeah, going okay. out there with an open canvas and I'm going to take the scenario when happens. it comes. Yeah, yeah. See what okay. happens out there. Because for me, I don't know how the impact of me coming midfield, but influencing somebody. What is winning the Marathon de Sable for me? Last year, okay, my, my shoes broke. Uh, but uh, most of my tentmates have gone vegan or really embraced wow. a vegan lifestyle. Wow. Yeah, that is a win for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so what is uh, this? Is what people yeah. write to me and say, you know, I'm not as fast a runner as you. I can never be as good as you. It's all relative. Mm. How good you are. It's not about yeah. just. I'm not out there running because that would put me on the tangent of somebody who's actually just running to win mm. and thinking that winning is the goal. Yeah, for me, winning was very important in uh, or doing well in the road marathons because, like I said, I was the only vegan in the village, mm. so I needed to have the vegan runner vest where it could be seen. Now there are a lot more vegans, so now my, I feel my responsibility is to prove what you can do on a long term because you know what? What is the vegan? Is it somebody who's eaten? animal and dairy products up until now jumped five minutes and said i'm going plant-based is that a vegan you know i mean where does it i've been vegan like all my life so now i can show what a vegan can sustain mm, and, yeah. and do continually do and keep doing so it changes um so i'm not saying that you know winning a race is the most effective way of promoting what i want to do i'm going to go out there well prepared as prepared as I can be, yeah. and then take what comes to me. But the preparation will allow you to deal with what comes to you far better than just going out prepared for one scenario and then finding something else has come. Oh, what do I do? I hadn't planned for that. Mm, yeah. I, I, I'm going out there. Because it, it was really funny. I've only got, that's my little pack for Marathon de Well, That's all I take. Wow. So. Um, <laughs> We're looking at it now. The yeah. guys. Like, it's it's were, not very big. Yeah. <laughs> and that's got to have your sleeping bag in. That's got to have your food in. It's got to have your medications. If you've got to change your clothes, the bandage, anything you need has got to be in that pack as well as your water. And Tim, one guy said, you know, oh my God, she's got everything in that pack. And I pretty much have got a bit of everything. And it's like, you know, I've got one of those. You can have that. Oh no, I've got one of those. He said, next thing he said, I'll tell you what um, I'd really fancy. Wouldn't these horrible meals be nice with a bit of Tabasco? Yeah, Tabasco. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned that in two twelve. Somebody said, you know, take some. I, I use a lot of Tabasco because it's very yeah. good for the stomach and muscle. Yeah. Oh my god, she's even got that. So um, you go out there as prepared as you can be, but prepared for what? Prepared for as many eventualities yeah, yeah. and learn to so, not so panic. You, so I think it's a great place to end because you know we're all about behavioral flexibility as well mm. and you know if you if you can cope with what life throws at you mm. it's a good place to be is anyone is anyone recording the can we find out about what happens with yeah you can NDS? look up online um it, you can write to me in the tent at night and with sobbing you sit sobbing in the tent and people send email messages oh, is that right, really? and if the um if it isn't too windy or the tent hasn't blown down on top of you they um, bring you the messages around okay. and um, you sit there with your little head torch. Oh, that's so and so real. Come, you know, stay <laughs> open, having a good time. Or what's gone wrong? You aren't doing very well. You try coming here and running <laughs> in this, you know. But yeah, so I'm, I'm race number 535. And then last question is, um, you, how, how do people support what you're doing? How do people find you? 
depends what bit of it they want to support. If they want to support the Fiona, I've got a little foundation to promote veganism. Yeah. That's the Fiona Oaks Foundation. They can search for that online. Or I was told by James O'Brien on um, LBC that it, it's how cool is this? You look for Fiona and Marathon and you pop up everywhere. Wow, that yeah. is good. So, um, and Tower Hill Stables Animal Sanctuary. Okay. That's the main thing that needs the support. Yeah. The, the, you know, financially, because then I can grow the sanctuary. I can save more lives, but in conjunction with <coughs> ending the suffering. Got it. Okay, thank you so much for it. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, folks. For show notes, head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at LifeDoneDiff, that's double F. If you fancy something different in your life, check out Do Something Different. It's really simple. Head over to www.dsd.me, go to the Pro Collection, Choose a programme that suits your goal. That could be being happier, more emotionally intelligent, or even quitting smoking. And then you're off. You'll be sent some small steps that stretch your comfort zone and help you achieve your goals. Enjoy. And until next time, keep on living life differently. Mm -hmm.